Do you struggle with body image issues? Do you, like me, find it pretty much a daily battle to not only accept but love your body just as it is? Today, I have the pleasure of bringing on the show someone who is new to my life but came in with such fierceness and fun, not to mention a truckload of attitude. I instantly knew she was one of my people. And today, we're going to talk about how not only external, but internal gaslighting plays a role in our body image issues. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. And again, if you didn't already know, I'm very passionate about helping others truly understand gaslighting. This is the foundation for being able to opt out of gaslighting experiences. The best place to start with that is my free video series. Go to sarahmoralescoaching.com and click on the tab video series to access not only the videos, but also the workbook I've created to go along with it. The word of the day today is coercion. Now, coercion is one of the seven techniques that I teach about in my 12-week course. The definition I use for coercion is a form of aggressive behavior or the practice of compelling a person to involuntarily behave in a certain way by use of threats, intimidation, or some other form of pressure or force. Now, That's the baseline definition or starting point, and coercion is often connected to more overt forms of abuse, and gaslighting, per my definition, is experienced through covert behaviors, right? So how does coercion fit into gaslighting? Multiple tactics are combined to create an experience where the victim is convinced that if they do not comply, they will be punished in one way or another. Now, usually that punishment comes in the form of not being loved, accepted, valued, etc. Right? So it's not this more physical coercion. It's more about the relational piece, the attachment piece. I go into this in much greater detail in my course, but we're going to get a good look at how this plays out in the way so many of us struggle with our body image issues as I bring on my guest for the day. So who is this guest? My guest today is Leslie Jordan Garcia. I met Leslie a few months ago when I walked into a cardio funk exercise class. Yes, I do love to dance and wiggle my ass, y'all. She was one of the most fun and fierce instructors I'd ever had the pleasure of taking. And I've been taking classes on and off since my early 20s. So she is someone who has sass and attitude, and she became an instant favorite. In fact, I think after I left her class, I immediately, like in my car, was looking up every class she taught at multiple locations and was signing up. So I'm one of her like little people that follow her around to all her different locations. But y'all, this just barely scratches the surface of this amazing woman. Here's her official bio. Leslie is a well-being entrepreneur who works with individuals and organizations to decolonize wellness through better relationships with food and our bodies. Leslie earned a BS in political science and a dual MBA, MPH, and holds several certifications, including holistic wellness and nutrition coach, mind-body eating coach, and personal trainer, just to name a few. Her career expands over several industries, including education, healthcare, and nonprofit leadership. Her sassy Southern humor invites audiences to laugh while they learn. She engages groups from the start, 
I can attest to this, and leaves them with empowering practical tools and strategies to use long after the presentation. Leslie's usual antics include making reels with her daughters, dancing with strangers, or cooking and enjoying wine-fueled meals with her family. Welcome to the show, Leslie. I'm so excited to have you here and dig into this topic with you. Hi, thank you so much, Sarah, for extending the invitation and just that natural meeting and how our fast friendship has evolved. And here I am. And Mm -hmm. I'm so, so thankful and excited to be here. And here you are. And, you know, I'm just so excited that you wanted to bring this topic to my listeners, right? Like you're like, can we talk about this kind of like how self-gaslighting you know, is tied to the diet culture and how it affects our body image issues. And a, a lot of my listeners, not not all, um, but I would I would say probably at least fifty percent of my listeners, um, they're they're either current partner or former partner, um, either had some form of sexual betrayal or some sort of pornography addiction or something like that. And when you experience that, it exacerbates the body image issues that we already have as women, right? So. This is a topic that so many of my female clients and listeners struggle with, right? And it, it's we're inundated with it. So I'm really excited to bring this topic. Yes, and for me and my clients, um, you know, like you said, life happens. Life, like my 21 year old would say, life be lifing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's always going on. And when we look at, for me and my work, when I think about diet culture and how it's born of racism and colonial thought, the colonizer's perspective, which includes patriarchy. Yeah. It's external for so long before we internalize it. And exactly. so when I work with women trying to really get them out of that place of just, you know, loathing, self-loathing body yeah. image that they, that self-gaslighting is super prevalent and always comes up. Yeah. So um, one of the things I love to do, both for myself and for my listeners, is help um, my listeners especially connect to the the people that are sharing their stories today, especially when, um, you know, it's it's somebody who's coming on more on the professional role. Um, so I'm wondering if you would just share a little bit of your history, like maybe some some highlights of life experiences, and then what kind of helped you narrow into this is what I'm about. This is my passion. In fact, I know you and I were talking the other day about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and to be self-employed and to do like we can give up other careers to work more hours. Right. <laughs> right? Like but we do that because we're passionate about something. So I I'd, I'd love to have a little bit of a story that my my listeners can connect with. Will you share a little bit there? Sure. You know, I always when you when people ask me to share about myself, I immediately hear uh, notorious B.I.G. saying, I'm not only a <laughs> player, I'm the president. You know, like I'm coming from a place <laughs> of having, you know, gotten over self-gaslighting. So I, mm-hmm. as a professional, you know, it's one thing, but I'm a person and I've experienced yeah. this. Um, yeah. You know, I had a basically, you know, happy, uneventful childhood till we moved to Texas. I grew up in Oklahoma. And that's okay. really at that age, right? I was starting middle school in a strange town and... Not that puberty is, you know, the most body loving stage of a female's life, you know, anyway. So then I'm having to fit in with strangers and I just never quite got any traction there. And my parents had Mm. their own struggles and they were the type of parent that loved us. And I'm grateful that, you know, they did. 
and they did the best by us, but we were basically left to our own devices to figure it out. Um, they mm-hmm. just didn't have certain tools and they both were very old school black parents who just didn't think that we needed to know certain things and, or be talked to in a certain way. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like, this is how we grew up. This is how you're going to grow up and you're mm-hmm. an individual, but you'll figure that out when you're out of the house type of type <laughs> of thing. So, so I had a really tough time. Um, and I experienced what I now know as a traumatic event around um, race when I was in, okay. in school there. And that coupled with already not knowing who to turn to about fitting in and da 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 and all these other things really shifted for me. And that is when subconsciously I made the decision to really try to change my body to what I thought um, could be help me achieve the closest proximity to whiteness other than changing my race. Right. So a lot of dieting. I'm a plus size gal. I've always been athletic, high muscle, but I really started Mm -hmm. to control what I ate. I finished high school early, went to college and just really doubled down out of my parents' um, home uh, with Mm -hmm. long periods of deep restriction to to lose weight and shrink Mm -hmm. down, you know, that type of binge restriction cycle okay and it Mm -hmm. really fueled my hate hate relationship with my body sure sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you know that's not love hate hate. not love hate (laughs) just hate Mm -hmm. and then hate also over here and Mm -hmm. you know fortunately um fast forward you know two decades of that um getting the help that i needed i was i went through treatment through just with the private coach therapist for binge eating disorder before it was in the DSM. So this is like early two, 2000s. Okay. And that is where I shifted my professional and educational background. So I started okay. to really get interested into a different aspect of health and policy and and where I could find influence to try to help mitigate these negative messages. It also mm-hmm. intersected for me because my traumatic event was race based it really intersected yeah. um diet culture and social justice for me okay so for okay. the last 15 years or so that is really where i've concentrated wow okay. um so that's kind of like where my passion is and i know from you know that word decolonizing it just means mm-hmm. no longer honoring the one narrative that we have been fed yeah it's it's yeah. it's just there are multiple ways they're all valuable and it's just broadening your scope of what you believe mm-hmm. could be possible if not for you but for other people and it, they all mm-hmm. have equal weight so that's what i mean mm-hmm. by decolonizing and for me body image here in the western culture very eurocentric very mm-hmm. this type of body and mm-hmm. and everything else is designed to help you achieve that you know yeah <laughs> to a certain yeah. you know to a certain degree and and when people constantly get the external message you're not good yeah. enough until you're this you're not yep. valued until you're this you're not worthy to this eventually you internalize that as oh, what's wrong with me no i fit fa- yeah. i failed this diet it's me i need more willpower that type of self gaslighting and yeah that is how we are intersecting here today yeah and yeah especially for me with race that you know it wasn't a lynching or something major it literally i was told why should leslie be able to graduate 
high school early when none of the other white kids are trying to graduate high school early. That's what I was told. Wow. Right. And this was in the 90s. That doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> and it's in the 90s. It's in the 90s. This isn't like 1948. This happened to me in right. the 90s. No. And I went no. on to graduate early, literally. <laughs> anyway, I finished high school at 16. Mm. But Good for you. My parents were of, you know, my dad was a lot older than my mom. He was a child of the Depression. My mom, both of my parents knew what it was like to be segregated and then integrate. Mm. And, you know, they've mm-hmm. witnessed countless tragedies, personal and national and local. <sighs> so to them, my thing that really broke my spirit was not a real thing. Right. No, that, that makes sense. You have not mm-hmm. been traumatized, Leslie. Yep. Get over it. Just finish and do what, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it really changed the way I looked at the world and yeah. and the way I felt that the world was looking at me. Yeah. I, you know, so it was like, no matter how hard I worked in school, I was never going to be good enough because I wasn't white. Like, so, right. so anyway, so that's a little bit about me yeah. and kind of what has brought me to this work. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, you know, as a person, I know you listened to my, my podcast where I talked about some of the social justice issues that yes. get my you know, <laughs> get my boil, yes. my blood boiling. And, you know, racism is one of those. And, you know, as a, as a white person who's trying to have and hold the onus of doing repair, you know, I'm, I, you know, I just want to say I'm, I'm, I'm just disgusted that that happened to you. And, um, it just, it makes me angry on your behalf. And I'm so glad that you basically said, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyways. And you did it. So, (laughs) um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so even more just like in awe of all that you've done and overcome, um, to be where you are today. It's amazing. Um, so that kind of brings us to the topic of today then, which is, you know, this kind of topic of body image issues. And, you know, as you were talking, um, I can't remember what it was you said, but it, it kind of tripped this memory for me. And, and you know, when we talk about, I know what it was, you were, you were talking about how, you know, we are, we have these external messages for so long before they become these internal messages. And that is just like a perfect way to describe the process of how self-gaslighting happens. Cause it doesn't ever start with us saying those messages to ourselves, right? Um, it, it always starts externally and then we hear it enough or there's enough coercion combined with it, right? That, that we take it on because, there's there's some sort of kind of reward, if you will. There's acceptance, or there's love, or there's belonging, or there's validation, or or just it, sheer you know, survival, or just sheer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in your case, right? Like right. just even being able to do like what I'm doing, <laughs> right? Um, so there's insert, you know, whatever the thing is. We kind of have to make this agreement, if you will. Which side note, I talk about this in my um. I can't remember if it's my video series or not, but there's a book called The Four Agreements that I talk about often. You're shaking your head. And Very familiar. You've read it? Yes. Okay. So it's this concept of we kind of are almost programmed, you know, as children to make these agreements like this is mom. You need to say mom if you want to get their attention, right? Um, and so I go into this whole thing about we don't learn to challenge where we're allowed to challenge, right? Um, so like this is grass, we got to call this grass so we don't have chaos, right? We can't have 500 different names for grass. I agree. But 
do we challenge, well, what do I feel about grass? Do I actually like it? Do I like long grass? Do I like short grass? Do I want to water my grass? Like, do I want to have a picnic in the grass or do I hate the grass because it makes me itch? Like we're, <laughs> we're not taught to question pretty much every place that we don't, that we could be allowed to, if that makes sense. Right. So when bringing this back, like full circle to this body image issue place, right? Like we are inundated with messages and what, what triggered kind of this thought for me, I think I've shared it before. I can't remember where, but, um, so I have an older sister, um, who is nothing like me in body, (laughs) right? Like she is, I think she's five, two, I'm five, seven. Um, and the last time I knew her weight was when I was a kid, right? Like she's five years older than me. I think, um, before she had her child, she was like, I think 105, 110 pounds or something like that. I'm more like you, right? Like I'm an athlete. I think when I was in the best shape of my life, I was eating vegan and I was working out two hours a day. I was running six miles and then working out another hour. Um, and I was healthy. I wasn't doing it necessarily for wrong reasons. I was loving life and I was 21. So what are you going to (laughs) do? You know what I mean? And I think I was like 150 pounds, right? So, um, you know, there, that's a big difference, Right. And and I, I I felt like there was this kind of definition of being feminine meant being small, meant being petite and light, you know, this this kind of heterosexual small woman ish image, if you will, of the, you know, the the man carrying the woman over the threshold, you know, on their honeymoon. You know, it's like this this stuff that is it's not even a direct message, but it's things that we see over and over and over again in movies and TVs on magazine covers, like all of these things where it's like this is the definition of what it means to be feminine or what it means to be powerful or what it means to be in and we don't question it. We're not taught that, well, wait a second, do I, let me, let me back up here. Do I identify as a woman? (laughs) I do. I do. So by definition, then anything I do is feminine, right? Right. Any way I look is feminine if I define myself as a woman, right? But again, we're not taught to question. So there are these messages. I'm curious what, what are some of the messages that you've observed you know, both in your own life and in your, some of your clients that we can just pull the, pull the cup, you know, the veil back on. So we, so body size. So it's so funny. You talk about that. When I, and I went to the army at the probably, you know, my smallest size ever, I did not qualify for Mm. my weight. I was overweight by their BMI, which God help us (laughs) standard, (laughs) Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, I was, when I enlisted in the summer, I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I was in great shape. I was competing. I've, I still have records that are still set here um, in some some of the schools for a track and field. Like I was fast. Nice. Oh, yeah, I was a sprinter, Damn. but I also threw the shot put. Yeah, I was an anomaly. But I weighed 144 right. <laughs> pounds uh-huh. at 17 okay. and I was 12% body fat. Okay. So when I went to the army, I had to be taped. Like they'd measure your neck of all places. Cause if you had a uh-uh. thin neck, they measured your wrist, your hips, and then they have this bizarre calculation. But anyway, it comes up with how much body fat you have. And okay. for women, you had to, if you were overweight, you had to be under 20%, which even now, I mean, that's not that much fat. Mm-hmm. Around 10 is when you start to lose the ability to, you know, keep having your, menstruation cycle anyway but i was 
12% body fat. And they were just like, dang, all muscle, like mostly muscle, but I was already so much heavier. The, yeah. the max for a 17 year old yeah. at that time was 118 pounds for someone my height. And I just Mm-mm. remember thinking I'll hit 118 pounds, maybe 15 years after laying in my casket. Like I will have right. to be <laughs> decomposition before <laughs> right. my body will ever be that small. Uh-uh. I had already shrunk yeah. down to get into the arm. I was like, I don't know what else I could possibly do. You know, to yeah. get any smaller. Yeah. And and I was miserable. But some of those yeah. messages that I think go, go along with what you're saying is that a female or woman can't be larger than her male partner. Yes. Like, what is that? Yes. I got like, rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What, you know, you're less feminine somehow. And another one is that I don't, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a lot of insidious messaging that people, men and women in bigger bodies are failed thin people. Like there's a Mm -hmm. thin person really waiting to get out. I Mm -hmm. think that these messages, I mean, and look at the toys. I mean, you know, you and I are about the same age and I mean, Barbie was the, was the gold standard of girl toys, you know, feminine toys, you know, training us to be a certain way through play. Right. So, you know, just, right. just not even trying, like we just grow up with those messages. And I just think that, um, you're exactly right. We're not taught to challenge those messages and simultaneously our culture, our Western c- culture has tied false narratives to a lot of these agreements. So we agree mm. that bigger bodies are less desirable and they've tied mm-hmm. illness to that bigger body. And now we mm. have mm-hmm. now we have studies upon studies that show that it's just not true. And I find one of the like this war on obesity, like, okay, Americans, just just taking Americans, we have gotten taller and heavier. And yet our life expectancy is at its longest. So it's so being bigger mm-hmm. isn't about ending your life or having a higher morbidity. Not at all. The mm-hmm. science is different. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just so weird. Yeah. But the message, because somebody decided after the Great Depression that, mm-hmm. you know, being in a larger body. OK, now now that we all can eat again, let's slim down. And a lot of it's tied to the Protestant religion. I mean, there's books and books that document really how this train of thought became so popular and like it's the bmi for example we never used that until the 1950s in this country Mm, and and, mm -hmm. and then it just became standard and when these biases are prevalent not just in our media but also in our Mm -hmm. medical field like everything Mm -hmm. is tainted with that colonizer Mm -hmm. viewpoint like this is Mm -hmm. the white the correct way this is the way and everything, because all the systems support that that patriarchy and that thought process. And so you have doctors that are biased against larger mm-hmm. bodies. You have mm-hmm. therapists. You have, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it just goes on and on. And no one. Yeah. But now we live in a good time because people are truly starting to challenge these agreements. They're starting to. And, it, and it's, you know, which brings me to something that. You know, I really want to highlight because I think a lot of I think I make up that a lot of my listeners will connect to this. So um, circling all the way back around my childhood, 
um, my, my next door neighbor was kind of like my old best friend and his dad used, I don't know why, like whatever. I don't, I'm not even going to try to figure out what was going on with him, but I distinctly remember he called me names, multiple names. I think misogynist. I don't know what, what, what his problem was, but, (laughs) um, one of them was Tubelard. And for me, that I that word, I don't even think I knew what it meant, but I got the energy. Yeah. Right. Because I was little. I was like five, you know, this is probably between five and ten. I'm gonna say I don't I don't know the exact time frame. Um, but you know, to the point where a couple of things happened that I internalized, right? So one was like a distorted image of myself, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember maybe 10 years ago now, I found a picture of myself during that time frame, And I had expected to find like a really super overweight little kid. And I was completely normal, like probably not even very, like I was an athlete too, right? Like I played soccer since I started five, uh, since I was five. So I was like constantly running, (laughs) you know? I mean, like I was very, very active. Um, so was I athletic? Yes. Was I muscular? Yes. Was I overweight not at all in fact i was a beautiful little girl and i was like what the hell it's like i was i was beautiful so i had i had actually had this distorted image and then the second thing that i realized what happened from this one experience this is just one in my whole life right of all of the different things that have happened in my life where um being overweight didn't just equal eh, not unattractive like if you think of visually what a tub of lard, a tub of fat <laughs> looks like, what, a, you know, that evokes feelings yeah. and images of that's disgusting. Yeah. Right. So being overweight equaled being disgusting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So it was this, it was this level of not just not as good as, yeah. right. Like I could look at and compare myself to, you know, so-and-so and this person or whatever, but it, it was like, no, I'm actually, if I am overweight, I'm disgusting. And one of the things that I want to connect a couple of things with this with you and just hear some of your thoughts on this. Um, One of the things that I did with that then is I was like, okay, well, I'm never going to be this five foot, 700 pound person. It's just not my body type, right? This is not going to happen. So then I'm going to, I'm going to focus on being healthy, right? So I tried to convince myself like, that's going to be my focus. I just want to be able to run whenever I want to run and all of this kind of stuff. But then what we saw happen, and I'm going to give credit to, Sonia Renee, what's your last name? Taylor. Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm like, I knew you'd know she was. Y'all, the body is not an apology. It's it's an amazing, must read. Um, I read her book a few years ago and and actually I listened to her um, audio and that's the way I recommend to do it because she's amazing. She's so much fun to listen to. Yeah, she is. But, you know, I feel like the health, and this goes to the diet culture, I feel like the word even healthy has been hijacked. Right. Where healthy can't be right. Like like you and I, bigger women who are out there loving life, dance like we dance our asses off in your class and we have so much fun. And I'm not I don't think one of the things I love about your class is they're all all different ages, all different body sizes. And and I don't know about anybody else, but I'm not worried about how big I am or how small I am when I'm in that class. I'm just having fun. Right. And and doing some fun moves. But what happens, I think, and, and it's like you said, I think people are starting to to change this. But I think what has happened is, is again, healthy has been defined by 
not just the, you know, decolonization, but it's been defined by people who want to make money selling diet products. Girl, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. Yeah, because, you're, but you're right. So, so mm. our body image is a very key, strong piece of our emotional and psychological health. Like it's mm-hmm. part, it, you know, babies look at their moms and their parents and they see themselves and don't realize that they're not connected to them. And so or, like, that mm-hmm. is how we build positive self-esteem and positive self self-esteem and self-confidence are critical for the forward movement of ourselves mm-hmm. as individuals, but also, you know, at, at population. I mean, just our species mm-hmm. requires us to be confident enough to, for those of us who are going to, go out and talk to other people enough to procreate. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if yeah. we, you, yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? If we mm-hmm. all just shuddered and mm-hmm. shattered ourselves up, we would die out. So there, there is a biological mm-hmm. need to having a positive self-esteem. And, yeah. and I agree. So yeah, healthism is what I call it. Like the thin okay. ideal It's where they, for a long time, equated a, an aesthetic with health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even that messaging up upholds a certain aesthetic. There are. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation a while back with someone, a thin lady, g- genetically, and I always say that because I feel like when I talk about the one viewpoint that one type of body is supreme or the best yeah. or the standard, it's just because that's the messaging, not because everyone now believes it, but the systems uphold that message. And yeah. it, it because it's one viewpoint and that one viewpoint then argues against the sheer body diversity. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, like we think that there's something wrong now that bodies have different sizes and shapes. And, yeah. and there isn't anything wrong with that. That's literally how it should be. We should be a diverse yeah. population. All bodies are diverse. All bodies are diverse. Yeah. Even if yeah. you think you're the standard, your body is diverse because we're all uh-huh. a part of diversity. But right. but this thin ideal and mm-hmm. this lady thin at, at Town Lake where you've come to class and you know how that class mm-hmm. is. But this lady mm-hmm. took my class for the first time and she was just like, I burned so many calories looking at her little Fitbit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, you know, good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like if that's your goal, great. I mean, but. Our bodies yeah. are so much more than calories in, calories out. And yeah. but she, she, you could tell she was genetically thin. Like never have had to worry about not being in a what I call a straight sized body as opposed to a larger right. sized body. Yep. And and it's just this concept that we, it has been so ingrained from external sources. And yep. I, and I will say, your neighbor who total dick, but also. <laughs> In school PE, they have these tests yeah. and they're weighing these kids. Yep. And I mean, it's just like, really, like they're introduced yeah. to it so subtly, so early. So that's all they know. Like that's, oh, well, look yeah. at this body. Look at this shape or look at this size. Or yeah. you don't need to eat this because you look like this. Like, I just feel like that is the undoing because we get so focused on external feedback that to me, yes. the, the trick is to be confident enough to f- turn inside and listen mm-hmm. to that internal voice 
and honor, yeah. and honor that internal voice because really ultimately that's the only one that really matters. Yeah. You know, you said something there that really just struck me and it was, we're not just calories in calories out. And I was thinking, you know, so many of these body image issue, self gaslighting statements that we do or external gaslighting statements are really a reduction of ourselves to maybe a number or maybe a specific body part, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think about how women are always wanting to like tone up the under part of their arms. Or their their lower stomach. Like they've had a baby, but they need to get rid of this lower stomach that's not the same. Right. And and the thing about, I always love to point out about self-gaslighting is we unknowingly agree to this, that yes, I am reducing, I am okay with reducing myself to this. Right. When I am so much more than just this, right, whatever that thing is, even if it's your entire body, you are so much more than your entire body. You have character, you have a personality and the body is ultimately the least interesting thing about you because everybody Mm -hmm. has one. Right. <laughs> everyone. Right. Everyone has that. one. It's I love so, that. So everyone has one. Everyone yeah. has one. So fine. Yeah. So uh, here's one more thing I want to throw at you. And then and then I would love to kind of go into the next um, segment. But one of the things I've really been all about lately in my own journey, because I'm on my own journey for this, right? Um, as I have been for my entire life. And I keep getting better and I keep getting better at it. I'm a work in progress. Um, Again, one of the reasons why I was excited to bring you on here. But one of the things I've been noticing, thank God, is I am able now to at least look at other people that don't fit the thin narrative and think, oh my God, like she's sexy or oh my God, she's beautiful or oh my God, like, and she looks more like me right? Instead of the thin narrative. So I'm still working on transferring that to, so I can be that too. (laughs) Sometimes, some days I'm doing better with that than others, right? Like it's a, it's a little bit of a roller coaster, but I would love kind of like your thoughts on the self-gaslighting aspect of why do we do that to ourselves? Like, why do we, you know, before I get into my own deconstructing of this, your spin on why do we think that it's okay for other people, right? Like I'm thinking of how famous Lizzo is and everybody thinks she's absolutely fucking amazing because she is right. But then that same person will look at themselves and say, but that's not okay for me. You know, this is, um, one of the toughest concepts that we tackle in um, one of my courses because, um, because we're still tied to that external Mm -hmm. concept, that external validation. We all want to feel valued. We all have a need to feel Mm -hmm. valued and respected. And it's just so difficult to turn off being affected by external voices. You know, like the saying goes, what comparison is the thief of all joy. Mm. And, you know, when we compare ourselves to other, it's so funny. And I just think that when you talk about seeing larger size instructors, like I'm the only plus size instructor at the Y. You know, like everywhere mm. I go, I'm always the only one, but that's actually what brought me to that space. And part of my healing journey was like, there's no one who looks like me. So damn it, I'm going to have to be that person. Um, mm. You know, representation matters so very yeah. deeply. Even just yep. me being at the front of the room mm. matters because then we start to see ourselves in these mm-hmm. l- 
positions of influence or fun or leadership or, you know, attractiveness. And I think that is probably one of the hardest things. Um, Fat somehow became equated with undesirable. So we, we have a segment about being undesirable. And of course, you know, I always laugh because I'm just like, get on Instagram and, or only fans. There are plenty of guys who, or, and other women who like big people, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. joke, but it's true. Like fat being fat or in a larger body has become fetishized. Like that's something like, right. Something supposed to be kinky, but it's just really another body. And exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it's just really, it's the external messaging. I think that and 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 because people treat you different. I think that's the other part that is often overlooked when we talk when I talk about or hear people talk about liberation of bodies, the freedom of bodies. You know, weight discrimination or size discrimination mm-hmm. is literally the last frontier of legal mm-hmm. discrimination. There are mm-hmm. no laws that protect you from being fired or paid less or anything for your size. Mm-hmm. It's it's the mm-hmm. last one. You can be disabled, you can be of a race, creed, ethnicity, religion, but there is nothing, there are no protections for people in larger bodies. Wow. And um and so and so you're treated different. And 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 you being treated different is okay. You know, I have women that tell me that they've gained weight after kids and their sex lives with their husbands change. Like all of a sudden it becomes rough and it's like they don't respect that body. Like they don't think that big mm. people are deserving of tenderness or girl. I mean, Mm-mm. it's, it's a real thing Not today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's, and it's sad. So, so women mm. and who are coming to grips with their bodies also have like, yeah, I could turn in, but I still have to interact with this world. Yeah. <laughs> and the world isn't yep. growing as fast as I'm growing. Yeah. That's a whole thing, isn't it? It is. Well, let's take this into the deconstruction zone and see how we can maybe point out some things that will help us identify and cut, you know, those kind of lines of gaslighting that connect us and keep us tied to these false beliefs and false narratives. Love to. Today, I wanted to deconstruct the process of self-gaslighting when it comes to body image issues. Now, it starts with some sort of external message, and those messages can be either direct or indirect. They can be spoken or unspoken. A direct spoken example would be someone saying a cutting remark about your body. An indirect unspoken example would be being bombarded with ads to lose weight accompanied with a picture of someone's maybe before and after picture, right? And they look miserable in this before picture where they're quote unquote overweight. And then they're so, so happy in this after picture that is unspoken, right? Like an indirect example. So whichever it is within that message is almost always the experience of coercion overlapping with brainwashing. You hear the message You will be desirable when you are thin, when you have bigger boobs, whatever, whatever, when you have, if you're a dude, you know, when you have that six pack, right? Whatever it is, when you hear that enough times, it chips away at your sense of feeling good about yourself the way that you are. We don't know that we can challenge these thoughts and we need to feel loved and wanted. So we unknowingly make an agreement that thin 
equals desirable or a six pack equals desirable, whatever it might be, right? The external gaslighting has internalized and we've assimilated our gaslighter's message. We now gaslight ourselves. So let's see how we can turn this into setting our alarm today. And as we do, I'm going to have my amazing guest set the alarm. Leslie, I'd love for you to give my listeners some tips or tools. Um, We've done a lot of talking today about different ways that this can present and be a problem. And I know you said you have a course. Um, What have you found to be some, some things that we can do to like anchor in you know, this, this healthier ways to look at our bodies or to fight those negative messages, those self gaslighting messages. So the first thing that I really would like to share with your listeners and the first thing I share with people in my course is something called the rain technique. So whenever you hear a message, whether it's in your own head or it's coming from outside, recognize the R Mm -hmm. and recognize what you're hearing. And then allow yourself some time to just let it roll off. Just like let it dissipate. Let that very visceral reaction, right? We feel emotions in our bodies and your face flushes or your stomach churns, but just let that pass. Just breathe and let it pass. And then I investigate, investigate whether or not that person has another motive maybe or investigate why that comes up for you as something that's a trigger or painful. Love that. And then in, um, just always keep a natural awareness with that person or with that voice in your head that says it just have a natural awareness. Like, okay, I heard that voice. I'm Mm going to rain, but then I don't keep replaying it in my mind. I try to, and I've just surrender your feelings, like surrender to your feelings and investigate them with kindness. That's why I always just let it rain. That's recognize, allow, love it. investigate, and nat- just have a natural awareness that you're still changing and growing and that you're worthy of respect from yourself and from others. That That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that that's a way to really turn it off. And I mean, seriously, you know, <laughs> it would really, yeah. help. it really helps. I, I love that because, you know, one of the things I'm, often telling, I mean, everybody from my kids to my clients to myself, (laughs) like we, we have to allow ourselves to feel the feelings, right? We can't like try to make ourselves not feel the thing, right? So we might feel, oh, like, look at that person that just came in and that little comparison and, ooh, that makes me not feel good. And then, you know, that, that process, like we're not trying to not feel those things. We're trying to, to get curious and be like, okay, well, but where does that message actually come from? Like, is that, I remember one of my colleagues saying that our, our true voice is never mean. Like when we're talking to like an authentic voice, when we know how to listen to ourselves and whether it's our voice or somebody else's voice, our voice, like our self voice is never cruel. It's never mean, right? It's always loving. It's always encouraging us to move towards our highest self. Always. Um, And it. Right. And, and so I, I love that. And I love, you know, I'm, I'm not creative like that. I, maybe that's something I could work on, but like having like little, like little things that, that I forget what you call them. Acronyms. What do you call them? That's an acronym. acronym. There we go. I knew it started with an A. I'm like, why am I blanking on <laughs> acronym um, to help remember things, right? Because because in the moment, it's hard to remember when you have something like, oh, yeah, rain. Leslie said rain. I can remember that, right? 
Um, so that's great. I love what it. you just said, I think is the key where the hardest work is. And in my experience with gas, so being self like self gaslighting or gaslighting myself and watching mm-hmm. clients do it to themselves is mm-hmm. that that self gaslighting takes you from point A to point C without mm-hmm. a lot allowing you to visit point B and point B is where you get the opportunity to recognize, name your emotion, and validate that emotion or thought. Gaslighting hijacks that process from yes. you. And that's where that's we so get good. stuck. So rain lets you, at point B, do everything yes. you need to do before you go on to point C. And I think that is the critical, that is the step that we're so used to having our feelings or thoughts invalidated or you know yep. thinking... You're, yep. I'm crazy. I'm the loser. 100%. It's me. So getting to a place to where I can recognize that I feel whatever I feel and that's okay. I'm. I, yeah. you're, you are entitled to the full expression of humanity. Yes, you are. Yeah. And, and tapping back into that is where the work is for those of us who have been gaslit or self-gaslight. Right. Which is basically all of us. Right. All of and us. I, at some I mean, point. I, Right. And I, and I was able to share that story, but I make up every single listener has some story where some asshole said something demeaning or derogatory or minimizing or whatever that stuck a fucking label on them uh, as undesirable or too fat or whatever, because we're talking body image. Of course, there's all the other things, too. But as it relates to this and and us being able to to tap and say, hold up, like they don't get to define me. Right. They That's that A to C, like going back to B and saying that feels like shit that they said that to me, but they don't I, I don't want to give them the power anymore. I don't want to give executives the power. I don't want to give this ex-boyfriend or <laughs> ex-partner or whatever the power. I don't want to give like I want to hold that power for how I define myself and how I see myself. And one of the key feelings that we have that when you do feel you feel when someone says something to that, I find my clients is when it comes to body image, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about bodies that make us feel ashamed. Yeah. When someone says that they don't like this or you should reduce it because, yeah. because diet culture has taught us that it's our fault. Yep. You know, like yep. we can change it. Forget the other 70 socioeconomic factors and genetics. You know, <laughs> right. if I could just eat and move, <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. can fix everything through that. And that's why I mm-hmm. do food and body work because those yeah. are things that every human body has to do. They all have a yeah. body. Yep. You need to deal with it and you all have to feed it. Deal with yep. it. Like these are, you got to get healthy there. That other stuff, you know, means so much more in the grand scheme of everything. So you've got to yeah. get a good foundation on how you're treating yourself. And yeah. 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 Love it. To add just a little bit instead of snooze button, I would like to add something we can do in that kind of point B that Leslie just talked about, that investigate part of RAIN, okay? In addition to figuring out where the negative messaging is coming from, the most powerful thing we can do is get curious about ourselves and connect with that deep part of us that is rooted in self-love, that part of us that was free way before we started being bombarded with the messages of the shoulds, right? To help you do this, when you're noticing that you're self-shaming or self-loathing your body, ask yourself, if I were free to be me and love myself, and I knew I wouldn't be any more lovable, desirable, or worthy than I am right now, how would I talk to myself? 
How would I feel about my body? What changes would I want only so that I'm in alignment with what would feel best and most authentically me, right? I'd also like to remind you of a few things that have been said today that could be mantras that you repeat as you are breaking agreements and writing your own narrative about your body. And these are two things that were said during the course of the podcast. And that is that our bodies are so much more than calories in and calories out. And number two, they don't get to define me. They don't get that power. I define me. That's it for setting our alarms today. Well, Leslie, before I wrap up today, um, if my listeners wanted to have the joy of following you or working with you in some way, how would they find you and what what would you like to highlight as a, as a great place to start working with you if they wanted to work with you? So um, I am, this is, you know, I'm getting ready to launch um, a new, the new cohort of the Food and Body Peace Blueprint. And mm. so I'm taking a, a names for that for, so right now it's just, it isn't open. So you're on a wait list, but it okay. is a 12 week program where we do all these things. We unpack fat, you know, uh, anti-fat sentiments and our own personal Mm -hmm. fat bias. People don't think if you're in a big body, but you can still be fat biased because you're trying not to be fat. I mean, it's all the things, right? (laughs) Yep. You know, Uh about how to divest from diet culture and how to redefine health and happiness for yourself. So we spend a lot of work in that and then shifting. And of course, I'm able to, you know, we do body work. Like we have fun workouts. These aren't those Mm-hmm. burn a thousand calorie type workouts. We, we have fun. And I really try to help women find a movement practice that feels good. Yes. So important. Them. Yeah. And it has, you have to enjoy yeah. it. I'm yeah. not ever going to percent. I'm not, I don't like it. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's what's coming up, mm-hmm. but to easily connect with me um, and be able to tap into all that and the free things that I give away from time to time um, would mm-hmm. be to follow me on Instagram. Okay. And my handle is at, Eat free dot live fierce. Yes. Because that's the whole point. <laughs> there have been so many times I wanted to clap during <laughs> during the recording today, and I just didn't think that that would translate well in a podcast. Um, yes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that your listeners find this meaningful and as a start and know that it is certainly not them. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure they will. And to that point, thank you, my listeners, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it into the hands of more people who could benefit from it, which are going to be so many with this topic, please leave a review and subscribe. I can talk. Additionally, if you can think of one or two other people who you know would benefit from this topic, please share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. Take it away, Wendy. We got stars in our eyes like diamonds. We got heart in the fuel to light it. Yeah, we burn it up. We got all the magic. Shout out if you have it. Yeah, we go with the roll like a riptide. Take a walk if you're not on my side. Yeah, we're dangerous. You're not gonna throw me.
like me.